Hi, and welcome to Helping People Perform, the podcast that gives you fascinating insights into those people whose chosen vocation is to help others perform at their best. From consultants to teachers, sports coaches to financial advisors, all of my guests share a passion for getting the most out of individuals, teams, and organizations. Enjoy the episode. Right, everybody, welcome to another episode of the Helping People Perform podcast. I'm delighted today to be joined by a good friend and a hugely inspirational professional athlete, uh, triathlete, world champion, uh, Ironman, um, just come back from a best ever performance in Kona in uh, Hawaii. Uh, welcome to the show, Laura Siddle. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me on. That's, uh, and thank you for the introduction. Yeah, I'm a little <laughs> bit intimidated now. <laughs> oh, it, it's it's all good. Today is really about understanding, helping people perform. And I'm really interested in, in your side of things because you've got a number of angles in one in your background and how you've uh, worked in the improvement space. But you're also now obviously a professional athlete. You've got lots of people who help you perform and coach you and mentor you and help you. But you do the same for others, as well as this angle of how do you help yourself perform going through an Ironman race and preparing for an Ironman race, which is, I guess, is where the, the most of the discipline and the, uh, the work goes in. So before we go into a lot of that, just a little bit of background about yourself. So how did you get to where you are today? What sort of things have happened in, in your career to date? Yeah, and I will give the listeners a warning that uh, we we kind of met through our, my sister and she's already warned me that I waffle on too much. So um, I'll try and keep it as succinct as possible with the answers. Um, yeah, I uh, I mean, I always played sport at school, but that was kind of, it was very much the hobby. So did, went to school and did A-levels. I spent a gap year in the British Army as a second lieutenant in the Royal Electrical Mechanical Engineers and then went on to university, studied mechanical engineering at Nottingham. Uh, did, you know, various summer placements through that and was still, I would say, was playing sport through that as well, but was doing more um, netball and athletics and things like that. But after university, started work for Shell um, up in the northwest of England in Chester uh, on the a refinery there. And it was through working for Shell, I got the opportunity to do a two year assignment in Australia. So moved to Sydney, Australia, which wasn't too too bad a too Fantastic. bad a gig, and yeah. worked for Shell out there, and um, and that's where I started the sport of triathlon when I was actually in in Australia. It's uh, you know, as we would see netball or football or rugby in the parks in the UK on a weekend with all the kids and and, and adults and stuff. It's triathlon very much when you're in Australia. Yeah. Um, but yeah, was working for Shell for two years and then they said, yep, that was it. You have to go back to the UK. I decided I was quite enjoying living in uh, in Sydney and and swimming at Bondi Beach most of the time. So then did a, took a job with a management consultancy firm, um, sold my soul to the devil. <laughs> As with that, realized that I couldn't do much sport when I was up all night doing proposals or projects. Uh, but that was kind of, I guess, a, an introduction into more business improvement work and working with government agencies and utility companies. Right. Um, and then did that for a couple of years and then went back into sort of a, a big construction company still in Australia um, on doing project management and again, business business process improvement, but in finance area, which was a bit of a new a new area for me. Yeah. Uh, but it was at that point where I guess I'd been doing triathlon as a hobby 
on the side and I'd I started triathlon as a complete beginner so so very much um you know I got into the sport with friends from work who were doing a charity bike ride and they said you know do you want to come along so bought a bike the week before and it was a you know a hybrid road mountain bike flat pedals I'm not sure I owned any bit of cycling lycra at that point um and just enjoyed it and they and they knew I did a bit of running so they said hey look why don't you look at triathlon and so searched online online and found a beginners group in in Bondi and and signed up so started as a complete beginner and at that point I was uh, age 29 but this was all doing it as a hobby outside right. of my corporate job. Um, but found I kind of progressed through the amateur ranks and was lucky and fortunate enough to win. Yeah, f- I think I got four world titles as an amateur over over the shorter distances. Um, and then sort of got to the yeah got to the point in my career where you know I had a fantastic boss, I had a great job, um, you know, great life in Sydney. But I something was not quite right, and I felt I wasn't really enjoying it and more and more of my headspace more and more of my time was spent in what I wanted to do in training and my next race and competition so I almost got to a crossroads of of what do I do and because I'd done sport to a decent level when I was younger but I'd never fully committed to giving it a go because again it mm. wasn't ever seen as a profession right uh, I think that's changed now in the UK, I will add. Um, but in Australia, it's a little bit different. It is more acknowledged and accepted as a as a profession. And yeah, I just sort of decided without a lot of thought that I didn't want to look back in 10, 20 years time and think, what if? And so I resigned from my job, <laughs> um, ended up moving to San Francisco to work with a coach over there and took my professional license card or card I don't know what you call it um as a professional triathlete and went yeah full-time as a professional triathlete that was at the age of 34 when most athletes are retiring um moved to San Francisco yeah and went yeah full-time professional athlete and here we are however many years later I definitely wouldn't have thought I would still well I don't know still be here but I definitely wouldn't have thought this would have been the career um and it's taken me all over the world I yeah lived in San Francisco I've lived in Christchurch New Zealand and split my time between there and Girona Spain and then as well now my coach is based out of Boulder Colorado so now spending a lot of time over there and um yeah as you said just come back from Ironman World Championships in Kona um Mm. where I had yeah my highest placed finish um and I will say at the age of 42, uh, which actually I I did, I struggled a lot with the age thing, but now I'm kind of learning to accept it as a uh, accolade is not the right word, but I feel I'm still improving and the right. age is not, should not be a barrier to that. Yeah. And using it to your advantage in a lot of ways with the experience you've had, I'm sure. Yeah. 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 Hopefully. Yeah. Um, and hopefully like, while I still feel I'm improving and can try and give these, the youngsters a run for their money, I will do. <laughs> <laughs> and just for my mind, uh, I'm, for those listeners, uh, I'm not necessarily a runner and, uh, have never done a triathlon myself. I've done, you know, go for the occasional 5k, but, um, when you say the shorter distances, tell us about that. What, what's a short distance triathlon? Yeah. So a short distance is what I would say is a sprint distance. So it's, um, I think now. 750 meter swim um 20 kilometer bike ride and a 5k run and then you have an olympic distance which is what you see at the olympic games so uh we've had great success so the brownlee brothers and then georgia taylor brown alex yee 
uh, Jess Limeth in recent years. And that's um, 1.5K swim, 40K on the bike, and then a 10K run. Now, I then do the other extreme of (laughs) triathlon, um, which is the iron distance event. And I will convert back to miles now for listeners, uh, which is a 2.4 mile swim. So that's 3.8 kilometers. And then it's 112 miles on the bike. So 180 kilometers and then a marathon. So 26.2 miles or no, 26.1, isn't it? And 42.2, something like that. It's a long way. (laughs) (laughs) And your time just over nine hours. Am I right in saying? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it depends on the course, but uh, in Kona this year, I was just over nine hours. So yeah, I mean, yeah. uh, Eight and a half is, or 820, I think is the women's, world record or, or the fastest time I should say mm. um and then I've also done races that take 10 hours just because of either the terrain or the the conditions so yeah but yeah. about nine hours you know it's uh it's some feat in and of <laughs> itself but um, uh, one of the things I'm particularly interested in and this sort of podcast is about helping people perform and you've touched upon a couple of things already one your coach um you know can you tell us a bit more about that relationship how do you, you know, what's your working relationship with your coach, particularly when I can imagine you're not always able to be in person with that coach as well? Yeah. And I think, um, so I've had, I've been lucky. I've had incredible coaches throughout my sporting career um, from playing netball, athletics early days to now. But I think now, and, and again, maybe that comes with experience for me, communication is key with a coach athlete relationship and, I think there has to be a mutual respect for each other, but at the same time, you have to be able to have those conversation, difficult conversations. You have to be able to challenge each other in the right way right. Um, so that she's getting the best out of me and hopefully I'm getting the best out of her. Um, and yeah, particularly important. So I, yeah, my coach, Julie Dibbons, um, she's British, but she's lived in the States for a, a long, long time. Um, and I'm often, yeah, I'm often around the world or in Girona. So we are talking sort of online through emails, through our training plans, but obviously on the phone, text message, and then we'll call every now and again. Hmm. Um, you do, but then obviously I'll go and spend more time in Boulder, Colorado with her. And you do get that, that benefit of being face to face. She just gets to see you every day. She can read the body language. Um, and I'm training with a squad environment, but I think, um, for me having Julie working with me these past few years has just taken I think that's been one of the reasons why at 42 I'm still improving because she knows me far too well than I would like (laughs) Um, but is able to give you um, I guess the tough love when you need it and be that harsh voice sort of thing Um, but also be able to give you the right support encouragement in the right way at the right times as well um and yeah we don't always it's not that we don't always get on I'd say there are times when the the relationship is tense and that's um either if my training's not going well and I'm particularly fatigued and you struggle sometimes to see with reason and logic uh, (laughs) during big training sessions but ultimately and deep down I completely trust and respect her and and feel and have her back and likewise she would she would have mine out of interest is her background in professional triathlete as well yeah yeah so yeah and it's an interesting um topic as well as to you know what makes a good 
coach? Do they have to have um, athletic accolades in the sport? Um, and I don't think they necessarily do. Or, or I would say it the other way: a very, you know, a one of the top athletes does not necessarily make the best coach. Right. So maybe it's that way is better. But I think, yeah. So Julie has come from. She was a, a swimmer, but a triathlete. She went to the Olympic Games. She's won world titles. Um, and I think that has value because she knows what it's like in like a race week in a race situation. She's got that race knowledge. Um, but I would say also for her, it's that she is fully invested in getting the best out of the athlete and wants the best for them and sort of gives so much of her energy, headspace, time to writing the right training for you specifically to get the best out of you on, on race day. Mm. yeah it's a really interesting one I've, I've had lots of conversations with people about this in terms of do you need to be an expert in a certain area to coach somebody well um, and it yeah there's no right or wrong answer is it it's no. a lot about the chemistry and what drives people to actually perform yeah. sometimes it needs that direct knowledge and direct experience sometimes it can just be about knowing the individual and motivating them yeah and I think it's that again it's that communication piece knowing what to say to the person at the right time or can you explain the concept can you explain what you're trying to achieve and I think a lot with coach athletes and and this is in business or in sport um, it's knowing what that common goal is and almost educating the athlete along the way so that yeah you're trying to get the best performance out of them but you're trying to educate them that so that ultimately they could do it themselves if that makes sense they yeah. have that knowledge and understanding and learning as they go um having said that she does do a great job at that but I would not want to self-coach myself because it would be horrible <laughs> I'm quite happy having someone to tell me what to do and then just feeding back and having that conversation afterwards right awesome and I mean you you were saying a big part of your career was actually in the sort of continuous improvement business improvement space as well did you find you sort of call on any of that experience or any of that knowledge in what you're what you're doing these days or is that it is it a completely different environment being in professional sports compared to business gosh I mean I would say yes and no I mean the thing about sport which I often think back to businesses and I think this is where the continuous improvement does overlap is but we probably could do it better in business is that in sport we're constantly getting feedback we've got data we've got pace we've got power we've got time we've got a coach there you are literally with every training session you do you have feedback as to how it went and therefore how you can improve next time yeah um and I'm always in you know we use a training platform so Julie Dibs puts my training in I upload the session and then I'll write any comments and feedback so there is this constant continuous improvement I guess you're constantly looking and I think sometimes we miss that in businesses because Mm. you only have a review at certain times of the year or even and it always shocks me when we cross over into a business environment from within the sport that there's no review done after an event or there's no analysis done and I'm like how are we capturing what we're going to do better next time so and I think the work I'm doing now as well I'm involved I'm on the athlete board of what's called the professional triathlete organization where we're um, an athlete body trying to sort of give more of a voice to the athletes but trying to take the sport forward uh, to be more professional and it's actually um, calling up a lot of my corporate experience to go back into almost 
it's not quite a corporate environment, but that board meetings right. and those business and, and are we doing, you know, if we have an event, are we doing a full analysis and where are we capturing those improvements and things like that? So from that side of things, I think there's, there is a lot of crossover. I, I would say as well, I guess my engineering side and possibly that that business improvement side can be a shackle at times because you okay. can overanalyze and you right. can get too caught up in the data and the specifics. And sometimes you just need to kind of go off feel, go off gut, learn what it feels like to push at a certain pace and not get overly um overly hampered and yeah, overly shackled by by the numbers and the data. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I spent a number of years, you know, sort of working for McLaren and bringing that F1 ways of working and and, and approach into into business. And uh, one of the things I often find people would not necessarily argue against, but say your world is different to ours because you've got a race that is a known win or lose or get a position. And then, yes, you race again, but there's like a, a clear cycle as to you, you are racing then you're training to, to the yeah. race and then you're racing again. So the results are very clear and very regular. Whereas in business, it's often just continuing. It's day to day. You're trying to do that. So trying to get people's mindset into a, a state of actually there is an element of a race. There's a, a sale. It might be a sale. Yeah. It might be a, a business meeting, something like that. That's your race. How do you train to get there, prepare yourself for that so that you can perform at your best in those races? So. Yeah, totally. And um, one thing that I'm, is interesting at the moment as well is um you know working trying to get people to understand that yeah well and maybe it's the same with mclaren well there's that one driver mm -hmm. and yeah they're the one on on race day and that's their result that it's the whole team that yeah. goes into that and you know that's the same obviously i'm the one on race day but i have a whole team around me mm. and then taking that forward now with the professional triathlete organization so triathletes and triathlon is a very individual sport you know yeah. it's very and to some extent athletes or even business people entrepreneurs you have to be very single-minded single focused to to have that success and so then then is a struggle to say but if you take a step back and the bigger picture for the organization or the company is that we all work together and have this common goal and mm it might not be the best option for you personally now, but the long-term success is going to be better if you do X, Y, and Z. Right. Trying to get somebody who's very always been very single-minded and single-focused on themselves to start thinking about leaving the sport in a better place and for the next generation is also quite an interesting concept as well to get people's head around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How do you persuade people that uh, you should help their competitors get better? <laughs> yeah, almost to some extent. Yeah, it's right, isn't it? But then you you hope that that's only going to, you know, like competition is good because yeah. it will drive you to be better as well by by making taking everyone forward. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. And so you you sit on that board. You've mentioned a couple of other things that you do in terms of helping others perform as well. So you've got the, the boards that you talked about with the professional triathletes piece. Um, I know that you mentor and you coach and you do all sorts of other stuff. Can you tell us a little bit about some of those things? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I coach a few athletes as well. Um, and that's... Um, I, I mean, I to be honest, I, I enjoy the coaching and helping people. Um, I do prefer it on a face-to-face -face basis. So I find it a little bit more tricky and a little bit more difficult doing online coaching of athletes where um, I think I've probably met most of them now, but when you ne haven't necessarily met them and right. you're building that rapport, you're trying to understand how they operate, how they train, 
and 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 working with the data they provide um but i hope again yeah so that's using my experience in terms of again being able to guide them and educate them in how to train efficiently effectively balance it with their lives because for a lot of them it's still it's still a hobby yeah um i guess there's a bit of a spin off on that a couple of years ago i had the opportunity through one of my partners um a wheel company called parkour wheels um they offered me the opportunity to give a to give a set of wheels away to anybody in any how shape way, way i wanted and it'd been something i'd been thinking about it for a while so i and it was a nudge in the right direction i created a a program for uh, young female triathletes um so sort of from 16 to 20 could apply and they got the set of wheels i managed to get some of my other partners on board so they were getting wetsuits they were getting training kit they were getting trainers um i think they got a helmet and some sunglasses and all of that sort of thing and then also as an opportunity um i would coach them for a year right. and so again to sort of help you know there's a i'm very passionate about women in sport and women in business as well um and so there was piece of going i wanted to support a, a female athlete coming through so that we don't lose them from the sport we can encourage them through as a result of that i was so overwhelmed and blown away by the number of applicants i got for this program um and the caliber of athletes and this because I wanted to help everybody <laughs> and I was like <laughs> I want to like I can't do everybody but I, I've only got one person I can give this award to, or prize to but I did want I did want to help everybody I created a community or tried to create a community um where it was a I guess a place where those all anyone who applied to the program could be was in this community they could ask any questions to me I would try to give them advice um I, I would love to develop that further to be and, and run more sessions of educational sessions for them as young girls coming into sport. Hmm. It's just been balancing that with, with everything else I, <laughs> I want to do. Um, but I would say that, yeah, so I did. So we had a, a girl, Letitia, she won the award. So she spent uh, a year um, and I was coaching her and, and training and helping her and almost, um, connecting her with a few other people as well whether that was nutrition or mindset um, and actually funny enough she she managed to qualify for Kona as well so she competed yeah. uh, in Kona as a as an age grouper as well so that was that was pretty special fantastic oh because uh, I know um you know that bit of helping others and passing on your knowledge um it's not only good to pass back but uh, uh, when I've done it it really helps me improve my you know think about what I'm doing improve my own performance do you find the same yeah definitely and it's something I think from the coaching and coaching athletes helps me understand then how my coach thinks a little bit or I learn from my coach to how I then want to develop an athlete coach relationship with me as a coach mm. um and for me it's also about it is about giving back it is about um finding value in what you're doing um again like i said you know triathlon is a very individual sport and if all the triathletes in the world disappeared tomorrow no mm. one really cares and the world will carry on but if all the doctors disappeared tomorrow we'd be in trouble mm. so it's like how can i create value through what i'm doing and knowing that i'm incredibly fortunate and privileged to choose this career or have the opportunity to choose this career and follow my passion but how can I then share that learning, share those experiences, share that opportunities with others so that they can have 
you know, it doesn't need to be in sport, but that they can have that same eye-opening or um, opportunity to follow follow their passion. And that might be in business, that might be in sport, that, that could be across the board. Yeah. Yeah, even just having, as you say, that ability to go, actually, I could do this. You know, I could step out and I could do this like yeah. fully. I could do it professionally. I could dedicate my whole life and, and work to this. Yeah. And yeah. it's, you know, you've just gone through that process of <laughs> stepping out on your own it's scary kind of thing and yeah yeah that's and but it you know if there's something that drives you and you're passionate about it it's kind of like it's worth it's worth taking that leap and right. you know what's the worst that happens okay yeah it doesn't work but it's not a failure it's just you learn from that and you move on to the next door or the next mm. cliff to jump off <laughs> <laughs> and uh, i'm really interested in, i mean there's obviously with a triathlon and with an Ironman distance and all the rest of it, there's, there's motivation that's got to get you through the race. Um, but I'm guessing that's nothing compared to the motivation that gets you through training when you haven't got the people on the sidelines cheering, you haven't got the, the race uh, finish line at the end with the, with the banners and the lays <laughs> and everything else that goes on in Kona. Um, so what, what are some of the things that drive you through those days of training where the weather's not great you may be not feeling too fantastic for whatever reason you know you, you're just not feeling it what motivates you to actually just get up and go and do it again and again to get better yeah and I, and I would say like I don't jump out of bed every morning like I you know <laughs> I, I'm following my passion and I love what I do but like with any job you don't necessarily jump up out of bed every day yeah um but I think what keeps me going is that, you know, I have chosen this path and I chose to do it. And I think I have to remember myself that I'm incredibly lucky to choose to do sport and to follow that passion. So that is part of it. Mm. Um, the other kind of thing I fall back on is that I, I get to do this. I get I get to go out and ride my bike or go running and, and, and swimming. And a lot of people don't get to do that for mm. various reasons. So I think that um that helps but also just I just am intrigued at improving and how good I can be and that was a little bit of the driver when I left the corporate career I just wanted to fully invest in one thing and see like how good can you be and I had at the time I had no aspirations of winning an Ironman of being top 10 in Kona it was just that if I fully commit to this how good could I be and I think right. that's what still drives me now you know like I said I'm I'm 42 I still feel I have areas to improve and I've got areas where I can get better and that's what's driving me now like right. you know the chances of me winning races with the caliber of girls we've got coming up through the sport is is getting you know is diminishing <laughs> but if I still feel I'm competitive and if there's a chink in someone's armor that I can um jump jump on to get the best out, out of myself but because I still feel I'm improving and I still feel I'm getting better that's what now gets me up and out of bed and also I think combined with that the investment of the people around me right. and the time they've given in committing their time and energy to me and my journey I feel that I, it's only out of respect to them that I deliver and execute my mm. training and the job right yeah Oh, wonderful. Um, out of interest, of the three, where would you rank them? One, one two, and three in terms of the, the running, swimming, and cycling? In terms of ability or motivation? You, you choose. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I would say swimming is last. Um, it's always something I've struggled with. Yes, got taught to swim as a kid, but never went to sort of the swim squads that 
you know people are America or Australia do um it's probably the one I struggle with the most in terms of getting up and going doing a session particularly when I'm on my own and if it's not going well now if I'm with my squad and coach in Boulder and swimming is going well then you kind of um it kind of gets on a roll and so when things are going well it's sort of more motivating to go and do more and and keep going but I would say swimming is sort of the least although I'm, I'm pretty happy I had a great swim in Kona so I'm pretty chuffed with that for me um and then I'd say bike and running is probably of an equal right. um so I I I guess I have a running background but very much track running and now I'm doing marathons um and then I've found that the biking is a strength of mine as well so um those two probably um fluctuate with with how they're going like motivational wise and also um yeah strength wise although it's again it's easier to get out on a run if it's raining than it is on the bike right that's yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh good i was just really keen to to see where where that lied both in terms of your ability and your motivation piece but you've answered that well um um you've mentioned a couple of times your partners and you've mentioned the uh your the, the wheel partner there um bit of an opportunity to give a shout out to some of the some of the partners i'm sure there won't um there'll be one or two that may get missed off and we can make sure all the the show notes include everybody that you you want to give a shout out to but any any of those partners that you've worked with for a particularly long time or have seen you and helped you through what you've done at the moment yeah i mean I, i'd say parkour which is a british company they uh they do the wheels for the bike um, I've probably been there probably one of my longest partners um, and I just like the, it's a small company but they do fantastic uh, research development you really feel they engage with the athletes um, so that's been a really fantastic partnership and then I guess a couple of at Hoka which is a running shoe company I've been with them for I think four or five years as well now um, mm. again just love the innovation I I'm when I work with partners I very much want to be involved I'm not an athlete that just wants to take I don't think that's value of value either so I love it when I can fully engage with a brand or they want to be engaged with the athletes um I'd say other I will give a shout out uh cask helmets and DeBoer DeBoer wetsuits um the magic five swimming goggles now they're cool because they scan your face and so you get custom fitted um swimming goggles that right. are yeah personalized to your face through a scanning mechanism um so they're pretty cool um yeah and then the rest of the team you know i work with a sports nutritionist the fourth discipline and then a strength coach she's out in boulder as well kate and then obviously my coach so i'm sure i've missed a few people off there and i apologize but yeah i'm again lucky that i have a great team around me mm. um but also i guess i choose brands and people that have similar values and and traits of performance that I I like as well. Yeah, and I mean, you look at a, a sport like triathlon, and you go, well, there's nothing to it. You 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 you're basically running and cycling everything just in a wetsuit, maybe some shoes at some yeah. point. But every I'm guessing every one of those bits of kit need to perform at those highest levels in order to help you. And you mentioned the scanning of the face for the goggle fit. Um, there's all sorts of innovation going on in those worlds at the moment, isn't there? Oh, yeah, it's huge. And in fact, you know, you can have this conversation or discussion for for days on end about the elements of and you see it in, F, in Formula One, you know, yeah. like how much is technology taking a role and how much should it be on the athlete's performance? You know, so 
there's been a few let's say discussions around the type of wetsuit that people are using and what's legal what's not legal or where do those rules apply obviously at no moment we've got running shoes Mm. um and sort of the carbon the carbon shoe and then how much um how thick the sole is and how sort of I'm going to say springy for the ease of words is that running shoe. And so how much of an advantage that gives you. Mm. Um, And that's not just obviously in a race, but that's in training. You're recovering better if you have, uh, you know, if you're not loading up, loading up the legs. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it's, and I sit on both sides, like I'm fascinated from the technology side of it and like my engineering (laughs) hat, Um, but also it's then like, how, how do you still, like you want to see the advances of technology and there's so much, you know, like I said, we have data all the time, whether it's heart rate, power, it's sweat rate, it's your sodium concentration, it's your lactate in your blood and um, glucose levels. There is so much around that some people use a lot Mm. um, and it is fantastic in driving performance. um, But then I feel there's also that purity in sport of just you against the elements with the equipment and what you can physically get out of your body yeah I, I came across a great term recently of infobesity in that you know, oh i like that <laughs> there's, yes. so, there's so much data yeah. around that it's actually bogging you down and you mm. can't and it's uh we often uh, would liken it in the world of f1 where yes you can get more data but it comes at the cost of a sensor that goes on the car that weighs your car down slows you down so actually is it worth the investment yeah and i think the where i'm coming to and a lot of the work i do with clients as well is about Actually, there's too much data out there uh, in a lot of cases, too much of the wrong data in particular. So it's like, how do you get people to focus on the smallest possible sets of data that give them actionable yeah. insights they can do something about? And the other thing that came to mind was actually a little uh, story used to say about the most expensive sensor on one of the F1 cars was fan- uh, Fernando Alonso's butt. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because exactly. how, yes. how, how, how you feel the car and you've mentioned before how you feel the race the run you know you can have the best tech in the world if it doesn't feel right you're you as an athlete aren't going to make it before it's yeah. not going to help you so uh how where do you sit on that balance then you uh, do you think you're more data driven less data driven i think i'm i'm probably a bit less but i think it, and that's only because i probably get overwhelmed with the amount of data there is and i think you know data is really powerful and can be and I do use data not I mean my coach will probably disagree with me she thinks I'm probably like if in fact my race plan like we literally break the bike down into segments and she gives me a power number a time number that I'm hitting for each of that and that really works for me in a race because it focuses Mm. me but I think you know if all that fails you have to be able to ride off sort of just just feel Mm. I think what we're finding and I love that infobesity (laughs) um phrase is that like all the data, it can be valuable, but if you have the right people who know how to use it, hmm. and if you almost have the right experience that they filter out the noise to just single in on, right, what are the key few, the few key points that are going to be really valuable in getting that performance to the next level? And that, I think, is where a lot of people struggle because either they don't have the right support team around them, the right hmm. coaches around them to help them perform, or they, and they just get so bogged down or overwhelmed with the latest trend the latest fad and it's it's about having that either you've got to be incredibly knowledgeable and and trained in those areas that you can do that yourself Mm. but for me I just want to before I just want to focus on executing right so for me it's like having the people in my team that are able to 
filter out the right information or use the right information that they know works for me mm. um but yeah so a bit in the middle <laughs> <laughs> oh great um so a couple of more quick fire questions i guess in, in in some of these areas as well so one of them is if uh if you could help somebody perform um with your experience your knowledge your background um be an, be that an individual a group um an organization whatever that might be who would you like to help perform with uh, taking your skill set to them i mean i would say at the moment i'm passionate about helping triathlon as an industry and as a sport perform and that's through my role on the professional triathletes organization so what i would love to do is use my experience as an athlete but my experience then in the corporate world to really drive the sport forward um not only from a commercial side but also helping the individual athlete so how does how do you become a professional how can we support amateurs transitioning to professionals can we give the you know educate them around finances tax business insurance um marketing media becoming at their own business mm. um and, and then so I would like to so that's I guess I would love to do develop that more um yeah going forward and help help athletes in that way and help leave the sport in a better place nice and conversely if you were to sit down have a coffee have mm. a beer with somebody and or a group of people an organization that you think would really help make a, an impact on your own performance that doesn't have to be your uh iron man time or anything like that but you yeah. however you define your own performance who might that be so yeah i had to think about this because i when you sent the question this wonder in advance because <laughs> oh gosh i mean there is so many people or so many teams but the one i came out with um well a couple i would say um and very i hope sort of topical at the moment serena vagman the england women's football coach right. and yeah. the england women's team i would love to pick her brains on performance on culture mm. um and also like the players and what they developed as a team leading into the the Europeans um I could probably say the same about like the England rugby team of 2003 right. <laughs> <laughs> when we won the world cup like yeah. just the, that mindset and that cultural team uh structure um I mean this is all sports people and then the other person I was thought is Roger Federer as right. an individual athlete mm. I think he would be fascinating to talk to from a performance perspective and also going through sort of setbacks and injuries and how he's maintained a high level of performance for so many years I think yeah. that's a that's a testament to, to who he is as a player as well so yeah yeah no it's I mean, really interesting you think of um Ironman you think of triathletes and you, you mentioned it's a it's an individual sport played by a team and yeah. yeah, a lot of those learnings uh, that you've mentioned are, are teams. I'm sure it wouldn't just be Roger Federer either. It'd be Roger Federer and his team. And his team, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Brilliant, brilliant stuff. Um, oh, that's fantastic. I mean, we could chat for hours, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> but Charlotte, Charlotte would tell us off. So, I know, uh... <laughs> I'm very conscious. Every time I'm like, I'm like, you're going on for far too long. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's great stuff. Um, if people want to find out more about what you do, how you support others, some of the organisations that you've mentioned, I mean, I, I'll put a few links in the show notes, as we mentioned here, but how do people find out more about what you do and uh, and follow you and support yeah. you in that way? Yeah, so uh, Instagram is probably my most active social media. So that's at LMSID, um, Twitter at LMSIDAL, and I have a website, laurasiddall.com. Um, 
athlete page on Facebook and find me on LinkedIn. I guess that's all the social media. Yeah. Um, I guess the other thing is, would be I'm yeah, I'm part of a mentoring program called Unlocked, which is one run by the Women's Sports Trust. So I would just say follow the Women's Sports Trust, follow the other female athletes that are in, involved in that program, follow you know women's sport and and support that but follow it for the right reasons because it it's fascinating and it's good like you know I'll say for the first time this year in Kona we had the women raced on their own day on Thursday yes. and the men raced on the Saturday and that was kind of huge for showcasing women's sport and the racing that we can do so yeah if anyone like obviously follow me support <laughs> me and reach out to me but follow yeah follow women's sports trust and i would say follow the pto as well the professional triathletes organization superb laura absolute pleasure talking with you today really really uh pleased that you could join us and give us some of your great insights and experiences in that world so thanks for coming along no thanks very much for having me on really enjoyed it okay speak soon bye thanks thanks for listening to today's episode if you liked what you heard then please give the podcast a rate, review and share. I'm Paul Teasdale, and from sausage making to banking, oil and gas to Formula One, I help people perform. If you'd like to find out more and have a conversation, contact me via helpingpeopleperform.com.